This is episode 69. In this episode, you'll meet Rita Bautista, the founder and CEO of Latina Podcasters Network. She created a community because there wasn't one for her. It's the first and only global podcast network committed solely to amplifying the voices of Latinas and Latinx mujeres. Find this podcast, Rita's podcast, and all of the podcasts of our fellow Latina podcasters everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate. Bienvenidos. It's a podcast where Latinx business owners share stories of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. I believe consumers want to support businesses they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. Also, join me on my business mindfulness series where I share business tips and activities that will help you grow and sustain your business. So please subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. Welcome to another episode of Relate and Elevate, and I'm happy to have someone that I met this year and has become part of my regular weekly life. <laughs> Would you like to, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to be here. My name is Rita Bautista, and I am the CEO and founder of Latina Podcasters Network. Yay, which I'm a part of. And you're a part of, and we met lots of, that's how we met. And we met lots of other really cool, amazing Latina podcasters because of it. So I'm so happy that you're here to share the story and tell us how it all came about. But first, let's get to know you a little bit better. Okay. So I have some um, little questions for you. Like, what's your favorite food? Baleadas. What is that? So my my parents are from Honduras, and it's basically a flour tortilla with black beans, um, sour cream, Honduran sour cream, Honduran hard cheese. Some people add like steak, like the thin steak to it, eggs, um, um, avocado, but I like um, baleadas sencillas, which are really just black beans and sour cream. I could literally eat those things every single day. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, I mean, for me, that's a taco. That's like, <laughs> sometimes we just eat tacos with just butter and sour cream with so flour good. tortillas. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they're made by hand and somebody made it with love. It's like, ah, oh, so good. Tortillas de harina hecho a mano. That's, mm-hmm. Is that something very common in Honduras? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's uh, platanos baleadas or platanos tortillas de harina hecho a mano. Sometimes, depending on what part of the country you're from, they might add coconut milk, which mm. if you've never had a flour tortilla with coconut milk, you don't know what you're missing out on in life. Um, my family's uh, very coastal, so they're up from the beach. So there's a lot of coconut and they utilize a lot of coconut and a lot of stuff. So like that, um, anything seafood based, um, rice and beans, obviously, <laughs> arroz con frijoles mm. and, you know. The typical Latino stuff. We don't really eat a lot of spicy stuff, but it's pretty much similar across the board. Now I feel like I haven't lived because I haven't had tortillas that eat with coconut milk. <laughs> Seriously. Let me put you on. And it's normally like 
um, you know, the Afro Latino side. So like if you go to a restaurant and you know who's cooking, like if you go to a Honduran restaurant and you know that there might be like an Afro Latina in the kitchen, like see if they might be able to throw some coconut milk in that in that um, hmm. tortilla. So yeah. all right, I'm gonna be on a hunt for Honduran <laughs> cocinas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite color? I always okay so I guess black but um gold and pink like and Mm. yeah blue was my favorite color for the longest time it's really hard I think colors are just moodle like depending on the mood that I'm in um I'll be wearing different colors but yeah I think those it's hard to pick they're all really great colors (laughs) I like that combination black gold and pink though I can see you throwing a a black pink and gold party or something that yeah it's i did actually yeah that was my very birthday party (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's where i got it from maybe yeah or something that's funny (laughs) what's the last book you read um i'm currently reading the one thing um i can't remember the name of the author but it's a business book that talks about um the importance of focusing on one thing Mm -hmm. Um, so that you can move your business along. Um, It's got some great examples on how like the Bill Gates Foundation developed itself. And just in general, it's a good rule of thumb. Um, Every day, if you tackle your day, um, thinking about one main goal that you're trying to accomplish that day, it makes the rest of the day a lot easier. If you're Mm -hmm. a day by day person, or if it goes monthly or yearly, like focusing on one major goal, like one, what one thing can you do today? that can make everything different. And if you can tackle things like on a smaller scale, then it makes the bigger things like almost, they don't seem impossible. They're just like so much more possible, right? Yes, that's so important because we live in a society that teaches us about multitasking and multitasking and staying busy and multitasking. And Mm -hmm. if you're not doing 10 things at one time, you're not enough, you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And and that's how we really, this like reinforcement of devaluing ourselves because we're not doing enough. But in the past couple of years, I've learned exactly what you're talking about. I've learned the opposite of multitasking. And actually, I really first learned this about seven years ago when my third child, my son, was born and I had three kids under five years old and that's really when I learned that multitasking really doesn't work when you're trying to keep kids alive and yourself and everything your husband and your family like you literally can only change one diaper at a time because yeah I I had like I was using diapers for like over I don't know how many years like eight nine years Anyway, that's a different story, different podcast. But anyway, that always takes me back to you can only change one diaper at a time. And it's it's the same when you're running your business. If you only focus on one thing at a time, you put all of your attention to it and you get it done. Mm -hmm. Did you learn something new by reading this book or was it like a reinforcement book? I think one of the things that you you hit the nail on the head, honestly, is like, um, you know, recently I was juggling two things like my job and Latina Podcasters Network. 
Mm-hmm. And I realized that one made the other one suffer. And so I was let go, but I think it was actually a blessing versus something being negative. Um, you know, for me, I've always believed the same thing that you have. Like I've always had to do more than one thing um, at a time because I didn't come from any, I didn't come from man, fun from money. Um, therefore I had to work twice as hard. And, and that saying, you always have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Mm-hmm. I think it's such bullshit because I'm. Sorry, can I say bullshit on your? Yeah, you just okay. did two times. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it is because I think we we're prone to believe the same thing that you said. Like we have to be multitasking, we have to be constantly busy in order to feel like we're progressing. And the truth is, is that you're exhausting your efforts when you're putting yourself in multiple different cups, right? Like you can't pour from an empty cup. But if you put most of your energy and effort into one cup as hard as the sacrifice may seem to only focus on one thing, the fruit of your labor is a lot better. And the product and the quality of the, of the product is so much higher when you are focusing on that one particular thing. So maybe you're not a person who can just focus on one particular thing at a time, but creating your time blocks that allow for you to create that space just for that particular thing and respecting your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say that Mondays you're just going to focus on marketing, then Mondays should just be marketing, nothing else. And then you take your time block maybe of like one hour in the morning to do emails and then you follow through the next day on whatever your next concept is for business, right? So going from marketing to, you know, meetings and podcasting on the third day and like, but sticking to the respect of your boundaries is really extremely important and understanding that, you know, having that one particular goal on the back end is really what's going to help you um, catapult and think if you put your head down for six months and only focus on one thing, how much further along would you be? You become the subject matter expert. You mm-hmm. learn just about everything and it puts you ahead of every single person in your industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you just made, like you just made that connection click for me is that focusing on one thing at a time really is about boundaries for yourself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all need to build our boundary muscle people. It's mm-hmm. so important. Well, especially as Latinas, like, you know, we weren't really raised to have boundaries, right? Like our think about, and, and there's some, it, I think it's a blessing and a curse. Like I, one of my favorite memories of growing up is like, we basically all used to sleep on the floor together in you know, whoever's bedroom, wherever, whatever. Right. And then like when my grandfather passed away, I think it was the first time in 20 years that we ever did that again. And all of us slept in the living room on the floor together mm-hmm. and all of like the spouses were like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, and we're all like, <laughs> this is great. Like we feel like we're back at home. We, we were like little homeless kids on the ground, but, <laughs> and you know, it was the beauty of the connectivity of family for us is so important, but at the same time, understanding that you know, it's okay to move past those parts and, and really draw our lines in the sand. And it's not about, you know, breaking any, anybody's heart or your mom's going to be fine. Your, your family's going to be fine. If you respect your boundaries, if anything, what you're doing is giving them a stronger sense of love um, because you are teaching them to respect themselves as well. Yeah. I was going to say there is strength in boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Personal strength, personal power. Um, what is the last song you listen to? Burrito Sabanero, because I'm getting ready for the podcast for Posadas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Our family, for the past like 25 years, 
has done posadas like nine days in a row and they usually start yeah december 16th mm-hmm. nine days in a row from the 16th to 24th and we go from different people's houses and not doing it this year and everybody's all bummed and i'm like but we can do it virtually people please let's use our imagination we could still mm-hmm. do it like it's about the power of like you said the power of connectivity um yeah yeah but um if you could meet one person dead or alive who would that be That's always a hard one. Um, I think I have a good one and a bad one. I I have, I would love to meet um, Amelia Earhart when I was a kid. I was always fascinated by someone who, I don't know that she set out to actually change the world. I think she was really just kind of doing what she wanted to do, right? And I think sometimes things aren't as calculated as we expect them to be, right? Um, I'd also want to face something very evil and weird. Um, I don't understand how a person like an Adolf Hitler would ever be able to be um, allowed to have that much power and to have that much control over people. And I truly want, I would love to just really if i knew that i could sit across from him and actually get a very genuine honest answer from him and say why did you really think that it was okay to discriminate and hate against people so much that you changed the entire world and the entire um dynamic and and you basically changed history from a, a ne- from a positive to a negative and you influenced so many people and damaged so many people like what were your why were you doing this mm-hmm. and and I've said that so many times I get myself in trouble because people are always like oh, and I'm like hear me out no I totally right I have a carry a curious mind too like yeah I would I would want to know and it could go either way yeah he could totally like explain to you like this is why or he could just be freaking whack job and not right. even understand what you're asking him right Right. For him, it might just be something normal. And I think normalizing that type of behavior is scary. And for me, I would prefer to know what the traits are and the characteristics are and people that can get that strong into power Mm -hmm. and how we can avoid as a society allowing those types of people to ever get back into office again. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're seeing the damage that that rhetoric and the power of language Mm -hmm. and how that's used to manipulate um, the pol- the political system and in general to evoke emotion to change people's perceptions on an entire community and I think it's very important as Latinos in general for us to make sure that we are in the on the forefront of listening and knowing what trigger words are out there that really are going to shape the view and the vision of who we are in this country um, yeah. and so to me it's very important to always be studying these type of people so that we know this is this is a red flag you guys this is what we should be looking for this is how people start to um, put propaganda out there to create you know terrorism dangerousness um, everything across the board Um, and so yeah for me that would definitely be another person that I would want to sit down and talk to yeah I mean I've I've wondered things like that before but yeah, I, I'm just curious too. <laughs> um, 
So can you tell us one thing that only a handful of people know about you and that you're willing to share with more than a handful of people? Um, my family owned a circus when I was growing up. Um, when I was, I'm oh, sorry, cool. before I was born. So all of my family members up until, so there's 11, 12 cousins. We have 12 mm -hmm. cousins. My, my grandmother had five kids. Well, she had six, but one passed away at a young age. Um, all of them up until the second oldest cousin. So out of 12 of us, the second, the third generation saw circus performers. So my brother and my cousin, Jill, both were in the circus. Um, and then by the time I'm the third oldest. So by the time I was born, the circus no longer, or at least our part of the family was no longer part of the circus. So um, mm -hmm. it's very, very close to our hearts. Like we still continue to think about um, that and how that plays into the lives that we live. Um, so yeah, my family owned a circus. It was called Circo Maya. And I have a, um, a company called Cirque Maya. So, so yeah. That's uh oh that's so cool. On. Yeah. That's so cool that you have that um that legacy to mm -hmm. look back to. Um yeah, that's so cool. I really have no idea what circus life entails. And I believe like over this over the pandemic, we sat down as a family and we watched um the Barnum the the movie. And I was like, and I'm pretty sure that's way like fantasized, <laughs> like, right? It's a movie. It's a major yeah. movie musical. But, um, but that's why sometimes I love watching movies based on true stories because you get a little bit of insight. I do think that there's truth at the heart of, out of, a, of, of a lot of them, but um, that's so cool and how it still influences you today. And, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, that's so cool. So we're going to move on to talk about um, identity. So how do you self-identify? If we're talking pronouns, it's she, her. Um, if we're talking uh, culturally, I mean, I grew up in this country going from being Honduran American to Latina to now Latinx. Um, and I think that as much as I am super excited about the fact that we're becoming very um, inclusive, it is a difficult transition sometimes because you are constantly reminded that regardless, we're always going to be labeled. So it's just a different perspective to look at things, right? Um, I think mm -hmm. I'm a profound thinker. I don't know if you noticed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm a lover of community. I, I thrive in watching people be successful um, and in turn makes me successful as well. Um, I don't like people getting hurt. I don't, I'm not a fan of people getting taken advantage of. It's just not a fan. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I love the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I'm a huge football uh, fan. They won last night, so go Ravens. Um, so you're a Raven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would, my parents are from Honduras and I'm very, very, very proud of that. Um, my mother did an amazing job when I was growing up at, making sure that culture was at the root and the foundation of my life. Um, and unfortunately, I think as college and profession seeped in, you know, culture kind of took a back seat. But the great thing is, is that now it's kind of coming back to the forefront of my life again. So I think that that's extremely important. Um, 
I am a sister, an aunt, a daughter, I'm a dog mom, <laughs> and a lover of music and language, um, and a person who best expresses themselves when speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, you and saying all of those things have just highlighted the fluidity of identity and that it's not just one thing Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting whenever i ask this question how different everybody answers it and it really comes down to our own personal experiences like Mm -hmm. that like at the core that's how people answer the question um and it's interesting how some people answer with one word or a hyphenated word or you know And other people have answered this way, like I'm a first generation college graduate. Some people have said that, you know, and how all of these parts make up a whole. And that's why I always ask, how do you self-identify? Because you brought up the label part and there's so many labels thrown out there that we internalize them as well, right? Mm -hmm. But I always just want to offer time and space for people to take a moment to ask themselves, like, who really are they? Who are they? Because I don't think we do that enough, right? There's so many things thrown at us all the time. Yeah, that's just overstimulation um, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What does the term cultural identity mean to you? Oh, that's a, that's a heavy one. Um, Cultural identity to me means knowing that I love to eat baleadas. Hmm. Cultural identity is knowing that when I have a baleada, I also like to have a banana soda. It also means that I understand that it's important to continue culture, but the identity portion of it is individual. So Culturally, I belong to the bracket of being Latina, Latinx, Hondureña, Honduran American, first generation, um, you know, daughter of two immigrants. But the identity part of it is like I identify with all the things that I believe I am, right? Like the question that you asked prior to, like all those things make up my personal identity. And as a whole, all of those things are part of the cultural aspect of who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About our own experiences, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about um, Latina podcasters and any other entrepreneurial ventures that you've had experience in. Um, so yeah, what is it all about? <laughs> So Latina Podcasters Network is the first and only global network dedicated to amplifying the voices of the Latinx and Latina feminine voices of podcasting. And so far to date, we have 20 podcasts on the podcast network, um, have generated a directory of 56 podcasts and growing. Mm. How, how did it all start? Like, I remember there was a Facebook group and 
I thought, oh, cool, a community, right? Because podcasting is so lonely, <laughs> right? Because <clears throat> you don't get immediate reaction. Like when you're doing an Instagram live, people comment. When you're doing a YouTube channel, after you post it, people comment. When you're podcasting, it's even though we may, you know, right now I'm not alone recording, but then later I'll post it. I don't get immediate reaction. I don't really know who's listening. So when I found the Latina podcasters group, I was like, yay, my people. <laughs> how did that all start? Um, how did it start as a Facebook group and how did it turn into a network? Yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I had started my own personal podcast called Empowerment and all that a year, almost two years ago. And it was lonely. It was difficult. It was like, okay, now my mom knows that I'm podcasting, but who the else, who else, who else are these listeners? You know, like yes. maybe my sister listens, maybe my brother, like my sister-in-law, maybe my brother listens once in a blue moon to just share a post or whatever. Cause he saw a post, you know, but like, Yay. you don't know what podcasts are. Shout out to all the moms who listen to our yeah. podcast and to our dads who are still trying to figure out what a podcast is. <laughs> exactly, right? Like they're like, ¿Qué es esto de podcast? ¿Qué es? Yeah. And it's like, it's a radio show. Like it's the easiest thing to describe. It's like, it's radio, just whatever. It's talk but radio. But you can't hear it on the radio. <laughs> right, you can't. And then they're like, ¿Y qué? And then you're like, oh, well, you have to listen to the podcast app. And they're like, what is that? Yeah. And then, okay, well, Spotify. And then you literally yeah. had this conversation <laughs> with my dad yesterday. Seriously. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> and you've been podcasting for what, two years now? Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. So, in, yeah, it'll be three years in May. Yeah. And they still don't get it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, <clears throat> well, yeah. So, like, after your audience grows from your parents, of them understanding that you're doing something, but they don't really get the whole concept, right? Um, I wanted to figure out how to grow my audience um, because obviously the 50 people that were downloading regularly was awesome, but I'm like, well, how do I grow from here? So I joined um, a couple of the Facebook groups. I kind of went ham. I was like looking, okay, how do I, you know, joining networks? And then I realized very quickly that two things, number one, the charts, iTunes, uh, um, podcasts, um, Spotify, everywhere that you listen to your podcasts, if you look at the charts, there are no women of color. There are no Latinas, number one, at the top. It's Joe Rogan. It's NPR. It's all these other people. And I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Joe Rogan started off as an independent podcaster. So there has to be a formula out here that helps people grow, mm -hmm. specifically related to the Latinas, right? Like Latinas in general, because who am I and what audience am I trying to bring to my podcast? So mm -hmm. I didn't see anything. So I started it myself. And um, initially it was just a podcast, a Facebook group. And I said, you know what, there, there's something here. People need more because I was seeing more and more people were asking for more information. They wanted more connectivity. And I went to PodFest Movement and at PodFest Movement, everybody's like, this is a network. This is a network. This is a network. I was like, no, it's not. It's a community. And they're like, yes, it is. It's a network. And I was like, <laughs> okay, it's a network. <clears throat> so I joined Enya Dream Accelerator with Denise Cox, Soler Cox. So for any of you who are interested in joining, um, I'll give, I'll send a link in, in the bio, but 
she is an amazing, amazing accelerator program that's dedicated to um, Latinas in particular who mm. want to break through like the cultural mindset of um, being afraid of being seen mm -hmm. um, to building your business. And it's an accelerator program. So you do it very, very fast. And the thing was, is that I had already started the Instagram page and like I was doing little things here and there, nothing really like where we are now. Um, and after the conference, as I mentioned, um, it was time to really kind of put the pedal to the metal and see what was going to happen. And mm -hmm. the pandemic hit and I was in the accelerator program and I was like, you know what, this is a network and I'm going to build it and I'm going to provide the tools and the things necessary for everyone who wants to succeed to be successful. And, you know, every day um, people reach out to me and they give me a different piece of how they've been inspired, whether it's finding new podcasters, whether mm -hmm. it's um, wanting to start their own podcast mm -hmm. or telling me stories on how they've been affected by being part of the podcast network. And that to me alone is, you know, it's the fuel that keeps me going. It's, it's what I aspire to see, right? As I mentioned earlier, I like to see people succeed in spaces in which they don't necessarily have all the tools or believe that they don't have all the tools to succeed. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I'm doing sometimes. And I think that that's some of the things that people think that like, oh, Apple is a well-established company and they know what they're doing. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, they don't. No. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't have gone from computer, like laptop to computer to laptop to mm -hmm. iPhone to Apple Watch to iPad and continue creating generations. The thing is, is that the number one thing you have to do is one, believe in yourself and start. Mm -hmm. Start with what you have. You don't always have to have millions of dollars. You just have to have a will and, a, and the way will, will honestly open itself up to you. Mm -hmm. When you're really passionate about something and you're willing to put your forth your energy and your effort, everything opens itself up to you. Everything. Yeah, it's about consistency too. And even if you stop one day, it's okay as long as you keep going, as long as, as long as you get up and keep going. Absolutely. Even if there's a break. But yeah. So how many people are on the Facebook group now? On the Facebook group, we have about 700. On Instagram, we have well over 6,700 people that follow us now. Um, and I think as a total, we are reaching over 15,000 people with our email and all the rest of our social media. So, wow. 15,000 on 15, the email list. 15,000. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Like the reach is very, well, that's big. Yeah. And a lot of the, uh, women on the, the Latinas on the podcasting network, um, they're not just from the U S there's. Yeah, this is like an international network. Yeah, we have people from Puerto Rico, Canada, Mexico. I mean, my goal next year is to make it more accessible to people in Latin America um, because, you know, one, I'm Duolingo. I mean, I was raised in the U.S., but my first language was Spanish. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if, me too. Yeah, it's like if we have the blueprint, why not share it with everybody, you know, and, and yeah. help them grow too. Yeah, that I mean, that's the whole point is to 
what is it? Rinse, lather, repeat, just, right? Just, mm -hmm. right? It's all yeah. about if you do it one way, then find a way to do it over here. Find a way to do it over here. And that's, that's what it's like to have an entrepreneurial vision, an entrepreneurial mindset is to continue to take risks and continue to keep going. And yeah, just to find a way, just find a way and take the risk and make it happen, right? Yeah. And now I'd like to take a little break. Did you notice that I went through a brand refresh in May of 2020? I'm now a business and life strategist. I did a brand refresh because my purpose shifted a bit. My new purpose is to guide business owners to trust themselves to grow their business and manage multiple income streams and investments. So I created a new mission statement and a new vision statement to align with my new purpose. My new mission statement is to hold space for entrepreneurs to shift their mindset, connect with their authentic self, and thrive with multiple income streams. My new vision statement is breaking barriers one entrepreneur at a time and building wealth one fearful action at a time. I really believe that it's important for us to follow our fears in a sense, those things that make us uncomfortable, but we know that are good for us, but they're so far out of our comfort zone that they just make us so afraid. Once we start trusting ourselves and believing in ourselves and getting out of our comfort zones, that is when we really truly thrive. You know, it's really interesting because I look back um, a year ago, a year and where are we December a year and three months ago I was in my pool and a good friend of mine she has a tech company she's a Canadian amazing woman she's actually part of the board of advisors for Latina podcasters network believe it or not um, she challenged me because I was complaining about my job and about how the people who run the company, um, I didn't agree with their management style I didn't agree with the direction in which they were going and she said I challenge you to start a company with less than $500. I had no clue what I was doing. Hmm. I had no clue what I was even going to do. I didn't even think Latina podcasters was a thing. At that point, I hadn't even started the Facebook group. There was not like, it wasn't in my mind to, to try to create a business. And now that I look back, I'm like, once somebody plants a seed like that in your mind, you literally, all you're looking out for are these business opportunities afterwards. It's really interesting. And, and yeah. the biggest thing that you said is take a risk, take a risk on yourself, because honestly, the biggest disservice that you could ever do to yourself is not believing that you can do something. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's something that I see over and over and over and over again with all of the business owners that I am in contact with. And with myself, mm -hmm. <laughs> really, and it, all of us have that um, imposter syndrome. Like we, we continuously believe these negative things that we're not worthy. We um, internalize all of these outside things. And I really do believe, and I know you and I have had this conversation, like this is really a very deep-rooted ancestral um, 
colonization, like total mm. <laughs> historical <laughs> complexities that live within us, but we are we are breaking them by doing mm -hmm. all of these other things. And we're showing other people how to break them and how to create new ones, how to create new narratives. And um, one of the things that you said, like of the things that fuel you is that when people get expired by, uh, find a new podcast or get inspired by ones that they listen. But the most, the one that hit me was when someone says, I want to start a podcast. That actually touches me um, in an emotional way <laughs> because to me, when I hear that is because someone has found their voice and now is willing to share it with the world. Like when you put a microphone in front of you and you're willing to publish it, that means that you not only found your voice, you found your confidence, you see your own value. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, part of my story as well. And I continue to push myself and I've seen you do that as well. Like continue to push yourself and push yourself. And the the challenge of starting a business with less than $500 <laughs> is not really a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge, but it's the reality for a lot of people. Like that's how people start businesses. So many business owners on this podcast say, I had $300 when I started. Or even on Shark Tank, they're like, oh, I just started with like four or $500. And then it went from here to there to there to there. Like that's just the reality of it it sounds crazy but that's something that we should normalize <laughs> right yeah i agree i mean look there there's one thing that people how do i put this like i'm no longer accepting people saying well i came from xyz background and that's why i can't do this no that's what people want you to believe mhm mm yeah you stay have there. stay where right. you are Stay there because they bank off of you staying there. Mm -hmm. They bank off of knowing that you're going to be comfortable watching Netflix for the rest of your life and not doing anything other than the status quo. They bank off of you not wanting to get out of your comfort zone and mm -hmm. trying and taking a risk on yourself. They bank off of you believing that everything is impossible. And the truth is, yeah, everything's impossible when you believe it's impossible. Mm -hmm. But when you see something and you're like, you know what? This is a good idea. How many times, all of us under the sun and everybody who's listening, how many times have you not had an idea where you're like, oh, that'd be a great idea. I just don't know where to start. And what stops you is you think that you just don't know where to start. But have you even looked on LinkedIn for the people that are working in those industries? Have you done any mm -hmm. research? Have you Googled anything? Have you put down your ideas on a piece of paper and started a plan? Because mm -hmm. once you create a plan, you just start one thing at a time, right? Like I said at the beginning, you, you go with one thing mm -hmm. and let that one thing be the thing that fuels you, whether it's starting a Facebook group and surveying people and figuring out what they need and then providing that service, um, partnering with other companies to figure out if they can help you provide, you know, different services for the podcasters in my, in my case, right? Or, or building a prototype, you know, a, a lot of, there are a ton of interns and I talk about this all the time, right? Like I'm always like, you guys need interns. Like there are tons of thousands of students out there right now that are looking for opportunities to showcase their talent of the things that they're learning at school. They are at your reach. 
Mm-hmm. Students can help you execute ideas as well. And like, I just don't accept excuses anymore. If you want to do something, do it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be afraid. If, if, if the way that you start is by starting a podcast and you reach out to me and you're like, you know what? I need some help. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, we meet on Thursdays. If you have questions, come talk to Giselle and I. Like, at this point, Giselle's a professional in podcasting. You know, like, we all have these talents. But if you're not willing to put forth the simple end effort of, like, reaching out to somebody who's already doing something in your area, then you can't complain about the way that things are. Don't complain about the lack of money. Don't complain about the lack of support or resources. What did you do in your wheelhouse, in your power? to change that Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to it doesn't matter if you're black white latino whatever it's really just looking for it if you if Mm -hmm. you want the opportunity look for it and do it Mm -hmm. so like seriously it is as simple as just ask it really is and at the same time it's also difficult because a lot of us have to be vulnerable to ask we -hmm. have to confront our own shadows, ego, demon, devil, whatever word you want to use, the darkness. We, some of us, it is so hard to confront it. But once we confront it and deal with it and go through the shadows or go through the dark stuff, and then we start building our boundary muscle and we start seeing our own value. And then we just Again, rinse, lather, repeat, do it over again. We see the ego or the darkness or whatever, the negative thoughts popping up and we're like, oh, I know you're not that, you're not that harsh. So I'm just going to do it anyway, (laughs) Mm -hmm. even though you're telling me I can't, you're right. So it's, yeah, it, it is hard, but it's also, it's not impossible either. (laughs) Like it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I really think about, um, a lot of the times I think about, well, what did our parents do? What did our grandparents do? Like that was hard for them, but then it's just a perspective thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. And you're, you're so cool. You're so right in saying like excuses don't have a place <laughs> in our lives, in our world, in our vocabulary. And that made me think of like, I, I, I treat my kids like that. I'm like, nope you can do it. Mommy, I need help with what? Do do what you can. And then I'll be here to support you. I'll be here to cheer you on. I'll be here to help guide you. But mm-hmm. I can't do things for my kids if I'm telling myself or telling other people or learning from you or learning from other people that we can't make excuses for ourselves anymore. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, think about it like this. At some point in our lives, whether you're first generation immigrant or, or migrant or, um, you know, first generation born here or, you know, you've been here for generations, somebody in your family had to take that chance. Well, not for everybody, right? Because I know that there's a heavy Mexican population that has actually been here for generations and yeah, generations and were actually born here. Us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and so it'd be very ignorant for me to say, oh, you know, you've been here, you're, you, somebody made a decision. But at some point in our lives, somewhere down the road, someone decided that there was a change that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And those changes continue to happen and we are affected by them 
current mm-hmm. day, right? And so like, mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, d- reach deep down inside of you and find that entrepreneurial spirit that is already inside of us, but had been mm-hmm. cast away because of colonialism and all these thoughts of us not being enough. Mm-hmm. Um, reach deep down inside of yourself, find that empowerment and start something because we need your face. We need your voice. And there's so many kids that need inspiration mm-hmm. for the next wave so that they see ourselves, their faces, their voices reflected in all different industries. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to change that. Yeah, it's so true. I didn't even realize that I was impacting younger people that were not my children. <laughs> yeah. And you are too. And we all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your favorite technological tool that you use for Latino podcasters? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, a microphone. Hmm. Microphones, obviously, for podcasters in general. Um, my cell phone, because I can use all the tools on there, like all of the apps that I need to like schedule emails, um, social media, um, like social media posts. Zoom, I guess, now is a way of life. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom is now a noun and a verb and right. adjective and everything. All, yeah. <laughs> all parts of grammar. Yeah. Um, so if you could have done something different, what would that have been? You know, I used to want to change things in my life because... Um, I, I wasn't raised in a family with a lot of money. Um, we were poor, you know, I cleaned houses with my mom growing up. Um, but I also went to college. I also had the will and I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And the one thing is like before this year, I guarantee you, I would have sat here and named something. But now the way I look at life is I don't regret anything because mm-hmm. it led me to where I am right now. Had mm-hmm. I had changed one simple thing, one tiny thing, I wouldn't be here right now mm-hmm. in this moment. And this is the most important moment. And so for me, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that perspective. The mm-hmm. butterfly effect, right? One millisecond changes the whole trajectory of everything and it can be completely different. Mm-hmm. So can you share some advice for anyone with a culturally specific idea, a culturally specific business, or a culturally specific podcast or anything? I will tell you right now, you guys, strike while the iron's hot. Everybody wants something cultural specific. And don't be afraid to reach out to brands and sponsors with your idea. Create a pitch deck, which you can use Canva for free. They have thousands of templates in there for you to utilize to create an idea and pitch your idea to these brands. Nine times out of 10, if you got a good enough idea and you're willing to try, they're willing to sponsor it. So if it's a podcast and you want a company to sponsor that podcast, go for it. If you want a a book, a children's book or something, like go for it. Don't be afraid because again, we are that we have the power in our hands to strike and change the next generation. So like, if you have a cultural specific idea, do it because the kids that are coming now need to be able to see themselves reflected in everything, right? If not, 
for you, for the next generation. And I almost tell everybody, I'm like, you're being selfish if you're keeping your ideas to yourself. <laughs> Plain and simple. You are. Because somebody down the road, there are 8 billion people and, and counting in this world. Somebody's going to connect to you, whether it's one person, 10 people, 20 people, 15,000. You know, somebody is going to find what you're doing extraordinarily beneficial and they're going to connect to you. And to me, that's the most important thing. If I can leave this world and I could have affected one person, just one, that will create a wave of change in life, period. And you might not ever see that wave. It might be like, you know, like Pablo Picasso or Van Gogh, where their paintings become valuable once they've passed away. But the thing is, is they didn't go at it like, oh, I'm going to revolutionize, you know, the artistic view of impressionism of, you know, art. They just did what they wanted to do because they wanted to do it because they felt like it was necessary yeah. to do. So like, if you feel you have a cultural idea, especially those moms that have, you guys are so amazing. You have like so many experiences daily with your children, right? Like all of yes. these experiences <laughs> and they're always looking for moms or like mom podcasts, mom books, mom tips, children, things that, that connect directly to kids. And you guys know what you need. So mm -hmm. why not share that? You know, like, why not talk about the experience of being a Latinx mom and how your kids drive you crazy while you're on Zoom and you're trying to teach them the cultural connection, but you also want them to survive the next day because you don't want to kill them because you're trying to be a teacher to them and a mom <laughs> and a cafeteria worker and all this. And on top of that, you have to pretend that like, you're like this super mom. Like, yeah, I mean, share those frustrations, share, share these things. Because again, there are so many people out there and don't mm -hmm. be afraid to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just getting over the hump. And I actually, I like that you said that your favorite technological tool is a microphone. Cause that just reminded me of one mic. That's all we need. Right. Mm -hmm. To like amplify. And that's the one microphone is a symbol to like so many things. It's a symbol to amplifying myself, giving confidence to myself, seeing my own value. It also is a symbol for boundaries because mm -hmm. when we're in a lot of spaces, um, I, I've been in a lot of spaces where it's like a community and we say, oh, one of the rules is one mic. That means one person talks at a time. So that's actually a boundary, right? You're mm -hmm. setting a boundary, like don't let other people interrupt or, yeah. So I think that's also very symbolically powerful, not just a really cool technological tool. But <laughs> not that it has anything to do with this industry that's fueling my business. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's important, you know, it amplifies your voice. What? Let's talk about your podcast. Mm -hmm. So your podcast has also gone through a, transition how did what did it start and what, yeah. what's going on now with it so it had started back in 2019 it had some really great traction um i slowed down in august because the latina podcasters network itself was taking a lot of my time and i wanted to make sure that if i was promising x y and z that i was going to be delivering and so i couldn't be podcasting and also developing a podcast network. So now that we have the foundational pieces in place, I am actually taking empowerment and all that. And it's turning into Empodera Latina, which will be a podcast 
produced by the Latina Podcasters Network. Mm. And it will be an in-house podcast where we highlight the voices of other podcasters and Latina entrepreneurs. So mm. that is that is okay. what's going on. So be on the lookout. January, second week of January, we should be launching. And uh, yeah, super excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I like that angle. And again, what you said earlier is you're focusing all on the same thing. You're pouring all of your energy and efforts into this thing and amplifying the voices of yeah. of us of all of us and it all started with you needed to find your own space you needed to find your own community you needed to connect with other people and that's exactly why i started this podcast too is like i want to learn from other culturally specific business owners so i'm just gonna ask them questions about it <laughs> And look where you are now. You know, that's the thing is unless you, unless you have the will to get started, you would have never connected with all these people. And now think about what that looks like for your Rolodex and the things that you could accomplish if you need something more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the times I think I'm like, oh, wait, this person should talk to this person and they could cross collaborate. And I'm just like, I'm literally like creating like these little contacts and contracts and strategic partnerships and collaborations in my head, but I need to write them down or actually tell people or text people. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have done it sometimes. I've introduced people. I'm like, oh, this podcaster does this and, or this podcast guest talked about this and, and you talked about this. So you guys go talk, go, you mm -hmm. girls go talk. Yeah um but anyway if you had no constraints would you start another business or another project or organization or anything thousand percent yes like what so i think there's a lot of room for us to be cataloging audio um with indigenous language in specific areas because those things are slowly starting to die out so like mm. the Mayan dialect, the Aztecs that are still the, uh, the people who are um, descendants of Aztecs, the people who are descendants of Garifuna, of, you know, different tribal areas that are small, small and rural in Latin America mm -hmm. and the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, I think as we continue to have connectivity, um, English and Spanish and are going to dominate. In English, Spanish, and I think it's like Hindi or Urdu. I can't remember exactly. And then um, Arabic. But what happens is, is when you have these dominant languages, those other ones start to slowly go away. And I would love to catalog um, just the remaining um, descendants, the audio to hear what it sounds like, you know, mm -hmm. what our ancestors sounded like, what our descendants sound like, and then how we sound now, right? So I'd love to do that. Um, I have another idea for a podcast that's a novella style podcast in the future. So hopefully that happens. And um, yeah, there's just novellas on a podcast. Yeah, that would be funny because then it's like we use our imagination to and we all know what like the famous slap looks like. And <laughs> yeah, and she falls he, on the ground just like. It's like the hand is a mile away and she's already on yeah. the No lo puedo creer. But um but you know what? I like I really like what you said about cataloging a dialect. I mean, we have all the tools, 
right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have all the podcasting tools and the audio tools and yeah, that's so cool. I know like in Mexico, there's like officially there's like 52 languages. Nobody knows that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's dying, but it's still there. And the most, the most, um, the thing that was the most, I don't even know how to say it in English, but impresionante cuando fui a Oaxaca was that there were people that were never colonized. Like people that were never colonized and they live not exactly, but similar to how they lived thousands of years ago. I mean, obviously the world around them changed, but, um, and that's something that's interesting. And when people say when the Mayans used to exist or the Aztecs used to exist, like they still do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think people just believe, yeah. And, and that's the thing. And that, that has to come down to our American. And I hate to say this out loud. I'm an American. I love being from this country. Um, I do love being American because uh, regardless to what happens here, we have a lot of liberties and a lot of freedoms that mm -hmm. a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. However, I do think that we've been mentally enslaved to believe that we can't do things that mm -hmm. we should be able to do. And that's the one thing that I don't appreciate about here. But I think a lot of that comes down to the ignorance of history and the mm -hmm. history books and the education that we're taught about our own people. And that, again, that's one of the reasons why I say, like, if you have an idea, please put it out there, write that mm -hmm. book, you know, catalog the history, talk to people, find out the truth behind you know, our identities and understand the truth of who people are. I mean, some of these people you might actually be a descendant of, right? Mm -hmm. And we believe that Mayans don't exist. And you're absolutely right. Their descendants are right there. I mean, you mm -hmm. can go to Lima, Peru has the same concept, right? For mm -hmm. those of you guys who've gone to Machu Picchu, the people live within that area in Guatemala. They have a lot of indigenous people that still mm -hmm. live in certain areas by the mountains as well. In Honduras, the same, you know, like they have, the people are there. They just, mm -hmm. just because they're not on your iPhone doesn't mean that they're not there. Mm -hmm. you know, they're not on Facebook or whatever, but they're there. And um, we just are not exposed to it. We are truthfully, we truthfully believe that our history doesn't exist. And I think that that's really damaging. Mm -hmm. It's not even history. It's present. It's great. Right. It's, it's right now. <laughs> yeah. Well. I know you and I can talk forever about a lot of different topics, <laughs> but I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story. And I'm so happy that you didn't listen to your imposter voice and, and you amplified the other voices. And now here we are. And 2021 has got, 2020 has got nothing on Latino podcasters because 2021 is coming in with a bang, right? <laughs> All we're doing is going up. Yeah. What is, what, what can you tell us some things that's going to happen or that you're planning or manifesting or already in the works for Latina podcasters in 2021? Absolutely. So I have a goal of having 10,000 members on the podcast network. Mm. I want to make it a lot more accessible to people in general, because my belief is that the independent podcaster is going to be the podcaster of power mm -hmm. and the voices of black and brown women are going to be the most important in 2021 as they always should be. But in general, just more or less now, um, 
Latinas, the Latinx community should be ready and grab your mic and start talking and, and mm-hmm. share your stories and join the network, you guys. Um, we're going to make a more accessible um, price point so that we can make sure that we're taking in those who are getting started, but also those podcasters who are podcasting more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to offer additional benefits there and expand to Latin America. So we're coming, guys. Yeah, one podcasting, podcast at a time. Yeah, one podcast at a time. Yes. And podcasting is not fancy. I mean, I'm sitting in my bedroom. My microphone is on my bed. And Rita, you want to share where you are? <laughs> I'm in my closet, you guys. Yeah. I'm, you know, if, if, if the quarantine has taught us anything or this pandemic taught us anything, is that podcasting can be done independently and also highly produced podcasts like NPR can also be humanized as well. So like during mm-hmm. quarantine, they continued recording and they had to bring their podcast hosts home. And there's a picture of one of the podcast hosts from NPR, one of the most popular ones. He's in the middle of his closet with clothes surrounding him and the microphones in the middle of the clothes. Mm -hmm. So trust me, where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, all that fancy shit is nice, but at the end of the day, as entrepreneurs, as emprendedores, Mm-hmm. You just got to do what you got to do and that's it and make it happen. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, always love talking with you about all kinds of things. So can you tell us where can people find you and where can people find Latina podcasters and how can they join the network? Sure. So uh, let me start backwards. If you're interested in joining the podcast network, Um, You know, it doesn't matter what genre you are in. Um, We're open to everybody as long as you consider yourself to be Latina or part of the Latinx community with feminine voice. I want to be as inclusive, but also making sure that we're staying within our boundaries, right? Um, You can go to latinapodcasters.com forward slash membership, and there's the different membership levels on there. Um, We have three different tiers for all of those who are interested in joining. If you're interested in following Latina Podcasters, you can follow us on Instagram at Latina Podcasters. On Facebook, just Google Latina Podcasters or search for Latina Podcasters. Um, On Instagram, uh, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and we're also on TikTok, slowly starting there. Um, All uh, obviously searching for Latina Podcasters. We have a directory as well on the podcast website in case you're interested in listening to the other podcasters. Mm -hmm. You can go to Latina Podcasters forward slash podcasts and you find the directory of 56 podcasts on there. If you want to listen to the voices of the Latinas specifically on the network, go to Spotify and search for Latina Podcasters Network Playlist and you'll find a playlist of 50 podcasts on there as well for you to hear. If you want to find me, just go to at Rita E. Bautista on Instagram or Rita Bautista on Facebook and or LinkedIn as well. (laughs) Yep. And your podcast currently has lots of episodes. Yeah. And all that. But in January, it will be Empodera Latina. Empodera Latina. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that. The Empodera and Emprendedora is... Very similar. Two powerful words. Never really thought about that. 
Mm-hmm. But anyway. Okay, so thank you very much. I'm so happy that you're here and sharing and that you continue to amplify all of our voices. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate. Find me on Instagram at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com And please, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.